he pō tu atu, he ao pāhorehore. By night assembled, by day scattered. E ngā kārangaranga maha o te motu no piki mai no kake mai ki tēnei hōtaka a te ahika. Ko Justin Murray ahau. Ko Maraia Rakraku ahau. You're with Te Ahika on Radio New Zealand National. You're weekly inside into Kaupapa Māori. All things Māori. And this week's broadcast. The Taranaki Wars of the 1860s were devastating for the region. And in the first iwi-led exhibition for its gallery, Pukiariki at Namutu, New Plymouth, Ngāti Mutunga iwi presented their experiences. And if resilience and survival is an aftermath of their history, so too are other things. Someone with Taranaki descent, Whakapapa, who doesn't know who they are, they know they are from Taranaki, and they say, oh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm Te Atiawa. Yeah, well, they may be. But they, they may be also Ngāti Tama, Ngāti Mutunga, they may be a whole lot of things. And that's, you know, that's the, probably the real tragedy for me of confiscation is the whole, the fact that people don't know who they are, you know. Uh, but I suppose the, the mere fact that they still understand that their Taranaki is good. Ngāti Mutunga, Dion Tuta and Jamie Tuta join us soon. Mark Kōpua. Tāmoko practitioner, we've had him on before, rejoins us tonight, this time from Māori Market 2011. Held during the peak of Rugby World Cup fever, visitors to Aotearoa were keen to get something more of a permanent souvenir than just T-shirts. We've got some Spanish people that are coming in to here and um, they're trying to get us to, to, to do some work on them. And just, uh, just like the silver fern thing for the, for the all-black New Zealand fern, um, the only trouble is we got a, we got the problem that we have is a is a language barrier and, of course. A, and a price barrier. <laughs> Kia ora, more from Mark soon. And what happens when you combine soul, rock, dubstep, and drum and bass? Well, you get six sixty. That's what we have coming up. Waiata wise. That's coming up this hour on Te Ahika. Te Aika, Radio New Zealand National. All iwi have members who are held up as exemplary leaders. So, for example, if we start in Te Waipaunami, Justine, who comes to mind? There's Kukupa Tirikatini, a lovely Kroa who was part of the uh, Motato exhibition at Te Papa that was there for three years. He's a lovely. There's a sister, Fiti Tirikatini. And staunch Te Reo Māori Kapahaka. Judge for Matatini uh, Tihipuanaki. I mean, Tipuneo Regan, uh, other iwi, Ngāti Pro, heaps of examples. Sir Apiranga Ngata, Fai Maklachi, Noi Noi Pifairangi, Tweeni Ngāwai. <laughs> and heading over to Tuhoi, uh, John Rangiho, Puroi uh, Kiananga, I mean, I'll nab him too, Te Kōti. Wharehuia Milroy, staunch advocate of Te Reo Māori, the lovely Wharehuia. And what about as we head up the motu to Ngāpuhi? Ngāpuhi, uh, Sir James Hinari. And that's not even scratching the surface, eh, Justine? Aye. I mean, in the weekend, I met a few more when I attended Te Rangihiroa Day in Ngāmutu, that's New Plymouth. Te Rangihiroa Day celebrates the life and achievements of the first Māori medical doctor, Sir Peter Buck, 
Terangihirua, whose peers included Sir James Carroll, Sir Apirangangata and Sir Maui Pomari. As the young Māori party, all were to have a huge influence in politics and Māori society. And while in today's context they may be viewed harshly, they were of their time, believing that everything Pākehā was beneficial to Māori. This is in spite of all coming from iwi who suffered greatly as a result of Pākehā contact. Te Rangihiro's people, for instance, alone had all their whenua confiscated illegally in 1866 by the colonialist government at the time, leaving Ngāti Mutungan landless. Now, just some context here. This is during the period of the, what's known as the Taranaki Wars. And it's this history that is memorialised for the iwi in an exhibition that opened last weekend at Puke Ariki and is a lesson in endurance and survival. We are making our way from the entrance of Pukeadiki through to the exhibition. Just walking downstairs at the moment. We're all following in the line as you do when you're opening a way. The footsteps of everybody following makes it space. Kotera Ka ua kina, ka ua kina, ka to ungia e au e tangata mo te ao, e rururanei e koia tēnā, 
This was the day the land was lost and people were killed. What should become of us? Our lands have been wrenched from beneath our very seat, cast upon the lofty mountain. Because it has been opened, there is no one who is able to close it. Because it has been closed, there is no one who will be able to reopen it. It will be opened. It will be opened. I will appoint someone to put forward our case. If it is an owl, so be it. If it is a cat, so be it. If it is a lizard, that will do. So be it. So be it. That was composed prior to a hearing of the Sin Commission in 1926 to 1927. What was that about? So the Ngeri itself describes the experience that our people went through and acknowledges Waitara. Of course, Waitara was the place where the land wars here in Taranaki commenced when the government tried to purchase that land without the consent of Wurumukingi. And so the Ngeri, in a sense, describes that experience the loss of land, with the loss of land we had the loss of our people. And it describes the excitement that our people had at that time around this being the first commission of inquiry into the wrongs of the past, a commission that would examine the behaviour of the government around Waitara and of course the confiscations that followed and ultimately, ultimately what occurred at Pariaka. Because there's no denying that the impact of the Taranaki Wars had such a huge impact on the iwi here, didn't it? Including Ngāti Musunga. Definitely. I think um, many do not recognise the impact of confiscation, uh, which is of course linked to the loss of resource. With the loss of resource, uh, there is a lost opportunity to be able to position the iwi to grow and develop. And uh, during the course of the day we have had a presentation from Professor Paul who has described the impact of resource loss on the people in terms of the population and uh, the struggle that we've continued to endure um, over the many generations since that time. Now as I've walked around the exhibition what I'm struck with is a resilience and but there's also real sadness as well, and I'm wondering how do you how do you recover from the things that have happened to you as an iwi? It's it's fair to say that uh, if you were if you're to examine our history and the legacy of our tūpuna, it has been one of resilience, and um, with resilience it requires dogged determination. It requires a certain level of positivity that through the struggle uh, there is going to be something better. And I guess if they drew on particular foundational corridor during their time, and one that comes to mind at the moment is uh, something that was left to our people by Te Witi Orungumai, which says, Ko te pō te kai ari te rā, the night brings the new day, ko te mate te kai ari te ora that in times of despair and loss uh, there's always the hope that through that there'll be something better. 
and uh, that's certainly been something that our people have focused on throughout the generations uh, and there are many of those sayings that uh, serve to be uh, serve as inspiration for not only our tūpuna but also for us today. But it is easy to lose heart so what is it about Ngāti Mutunga how you haven't lost heart because there are iwi that are significantly bigger than you there are iwi who have completely disappeared it's a combination of factors I think it's that whanaungatanga the connections that our people have with one another uh, the strong foundation that we have in terms of that connectedness with one another and the values and principles that guided our ancestors and that's continued to guide us today. Um, but I think the underlying theme that certainly I see throughout our story and the legacy here is leadership. That through successive generations we have particular people that have come to the fore to provide leadership in times of difficulty, who have had the vision and foresight to lead the people forward and to encourage and inspire our people in times of need. And uh, that's certainly a theme that I have seen through the generations. Does it also place pressure on a generation to perform? I think there is, there is pressure placed on generations to perform, but it's fair to say that one of the challenges that Ngāti Mutunga have, like many other tribes, is the need to inspire our people to have higher expectations of one another and of themselves. And certainly if I look at the inspirational leadership of Te Witi and Tohu, they understood that. That they, they sought to inspire our people to have higher expectations. And what they developed at Parihaka in terms of the infrastructure, the, the pa itself, was more advanced than the town of New Plymouth at that time. And so the challenge for us moving forward is how do we rediscover uh, and revitalise that sense of inspiration and expectation of one another. And it's going to be difficult because the socio-economic situation that many of our people are in does not allow that to happen easily. And so we've got to think about ways in which the runanga, the iwi, can play a vital part in lifting, as I said, and inspiring our people to have higher expectations. Now, I was look, when we were watching that film and... Oh, they showed footage of the signing of your settlement, and that was, what, six, five years ago? Six years ago. Now, you and Dion, so I'm talking with Jamie Tuta and Dion Tuta, you would have been in your 20s. Yes. So it's not necessarily a thing that's age-specific. No, so, but um, at the same time, we had the support of our pa'ake, of our tau'eke, who, in a sense, understood that in certain processes, uh, particular competence and capability is required. Um, albeit, although I might stand um, in a particular forum, I have my ancestors on my shoulders, and also my many, our many whānau standing, supporting me. And uh, without that support of our elders and of our wider extended whānau, um, we would never be upfront dealing with those issues like the settlement. So, certainly, the support I had from our 
our elders and our whānau was vitally important and without that I don't think we would have achieved the things we have achieved in the last five to six years. Now you made an interesting connection between the current role that you hold as the Māori trustee and a former Māori trustee, Neville Baker, and how he was responsible or he was involved in the decision to erect the monument to Te Rangihirua. Yeah, well, Uncle Neville, it was after Uncle Neville's time. Um, that was by a former Māori trustee, but what I, the point I was making is that um, for a small iwi, <laughs> we've right. had two Māori trustees. Uh, but Some may say it's destiny, Jamie. Well, yeah, hey? but it, it's fair to say, though, that um, if I look back at the work that my uncle did while he was Māori trustee, albeit there was a different statutory um, framework at that time, part of his work programme, if you like, was about uh, Māori development in both a cultural, social and economic sense. And uh, we can take, we can learn many things from those experiences of the past. And uh, the challenge really for me moving forward in the new role uh, is having clarity of purpose, understanding what the role is um, and what the value proposition of the Māori trustee is to our people. And uh, part of that is actually rethinking the way in which the Māori trustee provides services to uh, people, to landowners and to our what I call the end users or the customers and clients that we service. Now another one of your Udi is uh, Maui Pumare and he has his inoculation equipment as part of the exhibition. So Jamie what are they going to have of yours <laughs> when there's an exhibition in like 50 years time? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, 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 it's interesting. I mean, for me personally, it's, um, and I say this uh, time and time again to many people, it's, um, I hope that if there was to be an exhibition in 50 years' time, that it will be about um, the positive change and contribution that I've made to the advancement of Ngāti Mutung in particular areas. So... Not necessarily photos of Jamie Tudor and the tools I've used um, during my professional <laughs> career. Your laptop. <laughs> yeah, laptops, it, it could be. Laptops and <laughs> pens and other things. Um, but for me it's really about a display of the contribution and, um, and some recognition that we can all work towards a common goal and objective and uh, that it's not easy but you know we've just got to continue to try and and that's what a lot of the kōrero that were handed down to us from our tūpuna um, encourage, is that dogged determination, resilience, tohe, manawanui. These themes, you know, are found in all of the, um, the ngiri, the whakataukitanga kōrero. And you understand why, because when you know the historical context and experience of our people in Taranaki, you know why the leaders chose that sort of inspiration, that approach to encourage people to lift themselves out of those dark places uh, from that grievance and from that sense of loss you know, for something better.
purpose of Te Rangihiroa Day? Te Rangihiroa Day was linked again to bringing our people together, to provide an opportunity to not only acknowledge and celebrate Te Rangihiro's achievements as a, as a source of inspiration for our people, and of course to continually reiterate and learn about what he achieved in his time. But secondly, it was an opportunity to wānanga. So for the past uh, six, seven years, we've used it as an opportunity to invite guest speakers in particular areas of um, expertise, to share their stories, to share information that can educate our own and shed light on um, our experience. And so this morning here we had Professor Paul talking not only about Te Rangihiro, but also his work in uh, demography as a means of providing evidence or explaining uh, some of the aspects or some of the impacts on our, on our people. So that was certainly for me an eye-opener, provided me a new view and perspective about, that part, about parts of our history in terms of understanding the connection between population and property loss uh, from a demographical sort of viewpoint, um, and certainly it was very useful. Ko taranaki te maunga, ko ure nui te awa, ko tokomaru te waka, ko ure nui te marae, ko Ngāti Mutunga Teiwi, ko Jamie Tūta Ngeo. Oh, kia ora, my name's Dion Tūta, I'm uh, the Deputy Chair of Te Runanga o Ngāti Mutunga. Okay, Dion, now I've been walking around the exhibition, um, and to me, I'm an outsider, I'm from Tūhoi and Kahununu, it seems like Ngāti Mutunga were very migratory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you've, you've got to remember that, um, oh, you know, from the period, from 18, 1820, you know, just sort of pre, pre-treaty, there was a lot of uh, activity going on in Aotearoa which had quite a significant impact on Taranaki. And, um, you know, with the introductions of muskets and everything, uh, you know, there were numerous migrations from north, and that was pushed pressure down onto Taranaki. You had uh, Te Rupraha and Ngāti Toa, who we have strong whakapapa connections to anyway, uh, you know, moving out of Kafia, heading south. Uh, they stayed with Ngāti Mutunga. Ngāti Mutunga went with Ngāti Toa down south, maintained our hikaya here in Taranaki, and uh, you know, so we eventually moved to Ewanganui Atara, eventually across to uh, Our baby, yeah. the baby here. Is this your baby? This is my nephew. Your nephew yeah. is I'm grabbing <laughs> the microphone. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. I can still hear. Yeah. So yeah, we're very migratory, and in fact, we have uh, like this exhibition sort of tells the story of. Um, Dad always used to say we're almost nomadic, but. Uh, they, you know, they, they used to travel uh, back and forwards between Warekauri and Taranaki on a regular basis, you know, more so than we do today, you know, keeping the ahika in both places alive. So, yeah, very migratory. But by being nomadic, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, as I was looking at the exhibition, it seemed that the disposition of whenua had assisted that. It certainly made it easier for, uh, to a certain extent, for the... Uh, the government to basically say that this place was, was uh, that we weren't here in the 1860s when uh, this exhibition clearly demonstrates that Ngāti Mutunga were here in Taranaki you know, so um, 
that's the, the funny thing about the, uh, or the interesting thing, I suppose, about the, the, the documented or written, the, the, the official written record, and the, I guess the Western uh, paradigm of relying on uh, written documents as evidence, you know, versus, uh, you know, uh, Ngāti Motunga oral tradition, which is very, very strong in terms of our, our, our ahika here in Taranaki, uh, Mairan. Now, by the looks of it, it seems that um, Ngāti Motunga population may have depleted at one time, but it certainly doesn't seem that case now. <laughs> no, well, um, you know, one of the things about population... Uh, statistics and demographics and all that sort of thing is it's, it's always just very difficult to, to know exactly how many Ngāti Motunga people there are anyway. But with particularly more so with you know, the confiscations, the fact that we are you know, geographically spread between uh, Taranaki and, say, Ware Kauri, you know, there are... Um, Look, everybody's getting photos with their tūpuna. Yeah, I can uh, see that. It's um, neat, hey? yeah, So we're standing by... And, um, a wall yeah. where there are photos of people's yeah. tupuna. Well, that's that's my grandfather. So, like, so we're um, looking at the yeah. there. The um, so we were also. I was basically saying, oh yeah, you know, confiscation has uh, not necessarily depleted people, but it's sort of uh, uh, severed their, their 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 connection or their whakapapa connection or their understanding of their whakapapa connection back to Ngāti Mutunga. So a lot of people who might actually be Ngāti Mutunga may not actually, they might, they might just uh, classify themselves within that broad classification of Te Atiawa, you know, Nui Tonu, uh, when in fact more specifically they are probably, you know, they, they may be able to whakapapa more closely to, you know, specifically to Ngāti Mutunga or Ngāti Tamo, Ngāti Madu or whoever, you know, but that's the, you know, many is the time that I've met uh, someone with Taranaki descent, Whakapapa, who doesn't know who they are. They know they are from Taranaki, and they say, oh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm Te Atiawa. Yeah, well, they may be, but they, they may be also Ngāti Tama, Ngāti Motunga, they may be a whole lot of things. And that's, you know, that's the, probably the real tragedy for me of confiscation is the whole, um, you know, the, the fact that people don't know who they are, you know. Uh, but I suppose the, the mere fact that they still understand that Taranaki is good. Yeah. And Ngāti Mutunga is working on rectifying that? Yeah, absolutely. And how are you doing that? Well, through doing things like this and encouraging um, encouraging our own people to learn more about who they are. You know, um, I mean, I've, I'm lucky in that I've had access to, to a lot of these stories for you know, the greater part of my life through active participation in the iwi. Not everybody has that opportunity, um, so this exhibition is really about opening up that opportunity in a modern way, uh, so that people can come and find out who they are. Now, on a more personal level, how does it feel for you to see your tupuna photographs up in a space that you wouldn't necessarily assume they would be hanging in? I was thinking about that, and it's sort of like one of the things that's quite funny especially for this little fella, you know. Um, he, I mean, he'll see a photo of himself one day looking at some of these things, wondering who they are. But um, I was reflecting on it, you know, whenever I... Because I go to a lot of exhibitions, you know, I go to museums quite a lot because of just general interest in history. But this one, apart, just apart from the fact that it's about Ngāti, <laughs> about Ngāti Mutunga, uh, it's special because, you know, it actually has... 
you know, you know, most exhibitions, historical exhibitions, you, you go to, even if, even if you have a connection to it somehow, it's normally about somebody who you've never met or about somebody who is from the deep, distant path. Hey? But this one includes people who are very, very important to me. I mean, look, that's me. your koro right yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that or yeah. your koumatsu. Well, I never met my koro. You know, he, he, I, died, I was born after he passed away. But, you know, it includes people like my Uncle Bill, Auntie Lena, Auntie Teresa, you know, Uncle Sam. You know, people who, who you know, were Uncle real. Uncle Sam is the one who's Sam in Martin, his... Yeah. Um, He's in a swanny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's... no, that's Uncle Jim. I love that. Uncle, Uncle Jim's Jim. in a swanny yeah, yeah. and <laughs> the right at the hangi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Uncle, yeah. Uncle, Jim's, Uncle Jim married, married um, my auntie Jean, my dad's oldest sister. And, you know, so these people, these aren't just people that I've heard stories about. Yeah. You know, these are people that were really important to me and, and actually had, um, you know, they helped me become who I am. So that's, that's the real, you know, when, I have to admit, when I first got here, Looked around and saw some of these people had, you know, shed a couple of tears, Aww. thinking about it, you know, about how much I miss them. Sounds good. Uh, Miriama Evans. Hi. Tell me the significance that this exhibition has for you. Atinakwe. This is a very important day for Ngachi Mutinga here at home and for those who live further away from Te Wakainga. And the reason for that is it tells the story of who we are, where we've come from, what have been the important events in our lives over the generations, and the issues that we've had to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, when I was going through the exhibition, Miriam, uh, and I was looking at the history of your people, and I felt very emotional because it's been quite sorrowful in terms of having your whenua confiscated, migrating around the mutsu really. That's right. And um, when we were standing during the pōhiri I was thinking, you know, here is the evidence of the survival that's right. of that. And that's very moving. There's no doubt about it, we have had a very tough time through history and yet Ngāti Mutunga are survivors. We have a very strong will. We know that when we're facing adversity there's only one thing to do and that's to face it squarely and to take action and to move forward. And part of our story is about the resilience of our people through generations. So. Uh, we're reasonably strong um, people today, uh, small iwi. We used to be a much larger iwi, but... Um, so in terms of numbers, how many are we talking? Well, on our register, we've, we've only got a small number, um, around about 2,000. So a register is where people of descent of different iwi can come together and um, through their whakapapa can identify with an iwi. Yes, uh, the register, Ngāti Mutunga register is for those people who whakapapa to Ngāti Mutunga. And while the number on the register is small, we know that there are quite a large number of people still around the country, not necessarily living in Taranaki, who do whakapapa to Ngāti Mutunga, 
but find it quite hard to make their connections. And part of that is about our story, about our history, about what has happened to us, where it has been too hard for some people to actually maintain those connections. So this exhibition is about showing people who we are, reminding those people who have not yet to connect to us that there are good things happening for Ngāti Mutunga, that there is a future for Ngāti Mutunga, that we can do it and we can rise above those terrible things that have happened to us in the past. Now, I also noticed that there was a strong history there between Ngāti Mutunga and Le Kohu, Whare Kauri. That's right. Uh, our Whare Kauri, um, branch of Ngāti Mūtunga. Of course, all it originally came from the uh, Takiwa around Ure Nui and around the, our traditional lands. And that, those people got there as part of the migrations in the 19th century. Uh, that period in time was a very difficult period for our people. There were several migrations from Ure Nui and Taranaki down, uh, through the, down through to the south, down to Wellington, across to the north, top of the South Island, down to Farikodi. We even had some people who got down to the Auckland Islands and stayed there for a... Where for is the Auckland Islands? The Auckland Islands are way south of Stewart Island, very inhospitable climate. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was only a small group, but they were looking for somewhere to set up uh, their kainga. They survived there for a few years and then they realised they needed to get back to the rest of the iwi and that's what they did. And often... Uh, there would be a generation who were born in Farikodi and then they would return to Udenui and be brought up by other people, by grandparents. Oh, there was a lot of exchange between Udenui and Farikodi and there still is today really. My grandfather was born in Udenui and he was sent to Farikodi when he was about 12 to work on his uncle's farm. When he was down there, he met a Ngāti Mūtunga woman who was born in Farikodi and they got married and they lived there for a time, although the climate down there wasn't suitable for their children, so uh, my grandfather eventually came back to New Zealand. Uh, and the nearest place to come to for him at that time was Christchurch, so my whānau settled in Christchurch. But we've been making our way back... And Waikanae, I noticed. Yes, we've got whānau... Uh, who settled from the um, the Hekinga, from the migrations in Waikanae. There's quite a stronghold of Ngāti Mūtunga people in Waikanae. Sometimes, uh, because in, at that particular time in our history, we tended to be known by others as, as Ngāti Awa, which really was the confederation of the iwi of North Taranaki, and so sometimes... Because Ngāti Awa is an iwi over in Matatua. Well, uh, there is a connection between Te Awa and Ngāti Awa, and that goes way, way back. Uh, so, you know, part of our business about making connections is to know uh, what our history is and why we get certain names, etc. But um, because we were known collectively as Ngāti Awa, a lot of Ngāti Mūtunga people now think that they are Te Atiawa, when in fact they may be, they may have Te Atiawa connections, but they're actually Ngāti Mūtunga people. Right. Now, already you've described a character of resilience. How else would you describe Ngāti Mūtunga? Like, you know, I'm seeing a physical resemblance here. It's, it's quite interesting, eh, when you're from a different iwi, then you go into another iwi rohe, and then you start to see 
physical characteristics? Well, there are a lot of whānau here today and uh, well supported by the local whānau here and so I guess we do look alike, although <laughs> yes. I hadn't thought of it like that. <laughs> oh, it's outside of eyes, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but what about in terms of character? If you had to describe a Ngāti Mutunga to, to another iwi, or you are to me, how would you describe someone of Ngāti, Ngāti Mutunga? Uh, first and foremost, I would say that on the whole we're a humble people. Uh, quite often you don't see or hear Ngāti Mutunga up front. And this today, so today is actually quite a, an exciting <laughs> day for us because we're making a very strong statement here. But we are a humble people. Uh, and yet in bringing forth that humility, uh, we are quite strong in once we resolve to do something and actually working towards achieving that goal. So we are resilient, we're strong, we're humble. Um, we have amongst us some who clearly are leaders today and clearly are destined to be leaders tomorrow. So we're, we look to nurture those people who are stepping into roles and that's really quite important for the succession uh, of uh, the well-being of Ngāti Mutunga. If you look back at some of those kōrero downstairs, um, the thing that strikes one as we uh, walk around and, and look at those tūpuna stories is what leadership they showed. And of course that's over many different generations. generations. And um, that's something that we want to nurture, to continue to provide leadership for our iwi. And how are you doing that, Miriamma? Well, we're trying to bring uh, young people onto our, our um, political organisations, onto the Par Trustees, onto the Runanga. We this year sent um, five young Ngāti Mutunga down to a leadership programme in Wellington. So we'll be looking to provide activities that excite the young people and make them want to be part of Ngāti Mutunga. Kia ora, Miriamma Evans, Dion Tuta and Jamie Tuta at the exhibition Mutunga, Our Legacy, Our Challenge, Our Future, which opened last weekend and is at Pukia Ariki Namutu New Plymouth until the 19th of March 2012. And a big thanks to Te Waka and Ngāti Mutunga. And hit us up on Facebook, Whānau Ma. We've got a link posted up there as well, or just search our name, Te Ahika, on Facebook. Previously, we've featured coverage of this year's Māori Market, where, for four days under one roof in Porirua at Te Rauparaha Arena, the best of the best contemporary Māori artists gathered to promote and sell their work. And one of the Māori art forms that was demonstrated during Māori Market was tāmoko. Two of the best tāmoko artists, Derek Nardelli and Mark Kupua, were in attendance. What's, what's, here? what's happening, Mark? What, what do, is, are you working out designs? Oh, they're just, it's, we've got some Spanish people that are coming in to here and um, they're trying to get us to, to, to do some work on them. And just, uh, just like the silver fern thing for the, for the all black New Zealand fern, um, the only trouble is we got a, we got the problem that we have is a, is a language barrier. And, of course. Uh, and a price barrier. What? <laughs> <laughs> Is that just negotiation? Yeah, that's the negotiation side. But they're just, you know, it's just like 
I don't know though, whether they think that they've come to a market where they can barter it all down to the cheapest deal. Well, I've already just sort of said to them, suggested to them to go to a tattoo studio in town. Because I mean, you are one, you're one of the best they make. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're not just... Oh, OK, so maybe because they don't know Yeah, it's not, it's not understanding. And we've got a language barrier okay. as well. So, so. OK. Uh, Radio New Zealand National, Tiahi Ka, Justin Murray here at Māori Market 2011. As you may have heard, I am with Mark Korpua. Kia ora, Mark. Kia ora, kia ora Mark, what does Māori Market mean mean to you? What, how does it help our Māori artists? Um, what it does is that it, it, it promotes Māori art, the highest level of Māori art, and, and therefore also promotes the artists. But one of the be- better things that it does through the artists and through the arts is promote our culture. Um, it's a window that um, looks at the, the excellence, the toy or the Māori. So, so that's one of the great things that Māori Art Market does. And um, I mean, you've got to kind of look past the word market and, and, um, and, and look beyond that and see, see what it does for our culture. It brings it up to a, another level. And uh, what, what has been tended to happen over the last, say, decade, 15 years, is that um, a lot of the better artists that we have in the country, Māori artists, have gone overseas. And they're taking their art overseas, and it's hugely popular. And that's been a trend since Te Māori. You know, people, we woke up after Te Māori became a huge success over in America, uh, to, to our art culture, our traditional arts uh, at that time and the, it's continued to happen that we've, our top artists are taking their work overseas and so this is an opportunity for, for us in, in Aotearoa to see what it is that does go overseas and what it is that turns, turns on the overseas market. Mm. But we still have um, the likes of yourself, um, that calibre, Derek Lardelli, Rangi Kipa, who are still in Aotearoa. Yeah, yeah, we, we're, still, <laughs> we're still here and uh, mostly we don't travel so much now, but at one time we did. We had to do the same thing, uh, was to go overseas. And, is that where um, the putia is? Or? That's, yeah, that's where the putia is, but it's um, when you go over there long enough and then you think to yourself, hang on, I'm actually not bringing the putia to the country. And so it was a good exercise because you built a reputation and then you stayed home and they started to come, come here. And, exactly. Um, and, for example, the Rugby World Cup, I had uh, a couple of years ago, once the decision was made that it was the World Cup was going to be played here, I had six French guys uh, making email contact with me about getting work done here to, to uh, commemorate their trip here. So, so it's, it's been a good exercise that we do go overseas and now we, we stay put here and, and overseas comes to us. So then, I mean, so your reputation as, um, well, really a, a, a tohunga, I mean, what, would you use the word tohunga in describing No, we don't, we oh. prefer not to refer okay. to ourselves as tohunga, that's not our no. privilege, it's our responsibility. So it's other people's tamoko privileges. practitioner? A practitioner, practitioner. yeah, we're So your reputation is definitely uh, Spanish over here, French people yeah, yeah. emailing you, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's overseas. Yeah. Mm, yeah, 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 and it's purely because I had, I had done the same thing, and that was take, take the art and culture. But... You know, having said that, the beauty of that was that it allowed overseas people to see the culture, and um, and that 
that in a way that that kind of um, gave me a perspective of what the other people see so it wasn't just a fabulous art form that they were looking at and and uh, through our journeys overseas we were actually teaching them about our culture they started to respect more the cultural side of it as opposed to the just the brilliant art form uh, so so it, it was it's been a well worth exercise so of all the modern markets that have been run I've been at every single one so uh, and that's purely as not only because of my ability in the art form, but also because I'm part of the organisers. So usually, what what's happened in everyone is that I, I, I'm Derek and I have been pre-booked, um, so that there's no need for us to deal with negotiation at on the at the time, and we just deal with the client comes in, we organise the design, and then do so the work. It's all organised. Just pre-organized. take a seat. Yeah, yeah. So so that's. Fundamentally, what we do, we'll, we'll, we'll do more while, while, while we're at, at, the, uh, at the event. Justin Murray, Radio New Zealand National Tiahika, um, with Mark Kulpoi at his booth. And um, currently, he's um, doing some work. What's your name? Jose. Where are you from? I'm from Spain, Valencia. So what, is this your relation? Oh. It's my father. Your father. Yeah. What is he getting done? What's, what? Um, why? Yeah, why? Yeah, because when he was young, I think 20 years ago, he thought to make one. And now he decided to take because he is during 20 years thinking about it. And now he wants to do it. Do you know what, what the picture is? What, uh, what she's getting? I'm not really sure the name in, in English. Um, Silver it's Fern. It's like, you know, the, uh, the old blacks, the sign? Silver Fern. Yeah. Yep. And, and I don't know why it's based. He asked me about um, some other, about our job, our life. And nice. We answer is my father is engineer, and we are from Spain. And he loves to travel and he loves rugby. So I'm not really sure the, uh, the meaning of the tattoo. Maybe when he finishes, he's going to tell us about what that means. I'm sure he will. Thank you, Jose. Um, we also, because we're not just um, straight moko artists, I come from a carving career background um, and, and using pencil and pen and paper and stuff like that. So any other sort of like hanging art that we have, I um, I've put it in here for exhibition as well. There, I've got a uh, relatively large space, and in my shop gallery um, studio, I've got other artists' work hanging in there as well for sale. So I brought those in just to, just to help those artists um, get their get their stuff out there. Yeah. <laughs> You've got your equipment here, Mark, and um, who is such having us such at this? Who, who's this? This is my nephew, uh, Tomatea. Um, and he's down here uh, living as well with uh, in the Wellington district, and now he's come from a carving career, an art career as well. And um, now his next leg is to uh, learn this art form. So he's he's only just leaving the carving art form and now wants to learn this. And um, so we've got our setup here where we change everything that we use in one job. We, mm -hmm. we either throw it out or we put it aside for cleaning and sterilizing. And um, and reset up a whole new uh, set of gear for the next time. Yeah. 
Tamati is he about to set up Tamoko for you? He's, for the he's breaking he's breaking down at the moment. So um so I don't know whether he they organise the bookings and stuff and I just walk in and mm. and do the work. In the in the media of late um uh, um, <clears throat> a guy by the name of um, uh, Tunahou Kohu no Tauranga Moana no Ngāti Ranginui who went into a bar in Christchurch, Parklands Tavern and was refused entry because of the rules of um, not allowing people with facial moko. You experienced the same thing. Was it in Christchurch? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, was it, it was in Christchurch. Wasn't the same place though, eh? It wasn't the same place, no. So, I mean, you're whakaru on that take. Um... You know, even when it happened to me, and I and I totally sympathised with with um, Tunahou, Tunahou, um, because I've been you through were... that myself, and um, you, I, I do understand that that uh, that establishments like that want to protect their their patrons, and so they have the they have they're quite within their rights to create policy that um, that takes that into account. But they're breaking the law when they don't recognise the Human Rights Act, which um, then says you cannot refuse entry for a person who has cultural, wears cultural garment or cultural paraphernalia, including tattoos. So, so now wait to hear who was in the wrong. Do you think? Um, well, it's it's it's. Um, you either have to look at the, the security system that, that um the security company that that mans the doors and they're only following the, the doing the, their job. The doing their job and they're only following what the policy of the establishment is. So you have to then then look at the establishment and them not being it's I I know that there's a lot of reactions saying there's a lot of racism involved. I don't know whether it's racism, it's very, very close to it, but I think it's more ignorance than anything else because I think that if they were up to speed with what the law in terms of the Human Rights Act is saying, then they wouldn't be making such a bad mistake as they had. In 2001, the law changed, the Human Rights Act was amended and, and um, establishments were like that were no longer allowed, had to, had to make consideration of the Human Rights Act and could not kick people out because they wore facial moko. And uh, in 2008 or 2009, and in the 2001 case, I was a witness in that. And in 2009, I was a victim. <laughs> you were a victim of it. I was a victim of it. And now, even though I've gone through the process with the Human Rights Commission, um, we're still getting the situation where this is still happening. Still um, happening. My advice for people who are who are uh, subjected to this is ring the Human Rights Commission immediately. You can you can either hand it all over to them, and they will deal with it, and they will wrap the the establishment over the hands and throw the act and the law at them, or you can take a, a individual civil um, uh, case out against them. Um, and I think we're at a point where we need to understand that if they do that, they are clearly breaking the law. And so we're quite within our rights to take a civil action and as an individual, as opposed to using the commission uh, to wrap them across the hands with, uh, with the law. Kia ora, Tāmoku practitioner, Mark Kupua. Now, 
from Tāmoko, we head to Raranga, weaving. We just met some lovely ladies under the tutelage of Tina Wirihana and Tracy Huxford. Justine Murray, Radio New Zealand National, Tiahikai, here at Māori Market 2011. Now, as I'm walking around all the um, areas, I've come across um, Te Ropu Raranga Fatsu, o Aotearoa, and I'll just make my way around the desk. Kia ora, can I just have your name, please? My name is Ndrupuhi Jam. How do you say that again? Ndrupuhi Jam. Ndrupuhi Jam. Aye. Oh, and, and your name, please? Rose Rickett. Like I've got my mobile unit. Kia ora. Kia ora. My name is Helen Hori Tapa. So, Helen Rose, and I'm going to have to practice your name. My people call me short Drew. Drew. But my name in full, or my proper name is Ndrupuhi Jam. So, but Drew, I, I can call you Drew. If you like. <laughs> Thank you. I think I will as opposed oh, to yeah, butchering your... Yeah. Well, kia ora, ladies. Now, you represent um, the um, Aotearoa Weavers Association? Quite a thing, oh, wouldn't it? What do we call... Um, National Weavers. Yeah, National, National Weavers. Weavers. Yes, yes, yes. And now tell us what we have here, what your booth well, is about. What we've got on display here, we've got kete, we have... Heke, Kurawai, Pew Pew. What else have we got, girls? What's All heke? kinds of kitty. What's heke? Heke is a cape. It's like a Ooh. rain cape. Yeah. Just behind me. Just behind me? See, see that one there right at the end? That's made of kuta. Kuta. Don't ask me the English name. Oh. <laughs> Kuta. I can see it. It's almost yes. like tassels. Yeah, yeah. Made out of muka. Yeah. But a lot of these, you can see, that's all muka. One over there is muka. Those sails, kia kia. And the pupus, well, it's this harakiki. It's free for you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, which, which, which one of you lovely ladies would like to come for a little short walk with me? <laughs> <laughs> so why they debate over who's going to come with me? Oh, thank you so much. Kia ora. Okay, now let's go for a walk. So I'm with Rose and we're having a little walk around um, um, Te Ropiraranga Whatu Aotearoa. Um, could you explain some of the works here? Oh, okay, so we've got kite. Beautiful kite. Um, yes. Are made by Teresa Murray. This is a long lady's pupu. Now, were all these done by members? All members of Toi Māori. Teresa Murray, she's one of the kayakos at Te Puya. I'm with Drew, yes, yes. <laughs> at Te Puya. And right next door here is um, Te Puya's um, store. Oh, okay. Yes. Even, even the, um, um, Hectorina oh, Mulligan, beautiful. she's also one of the kayakos at Te Puya. They all work with Edna. So, Drew, you're a weaver. I am a weaver. So look at how this is muka, and how can you tell it's muka? Because it's that's, so tiny. No, look at that's harakeke. The handle is muka. Oh, how fine that is. That is so yes, that fine. Is so fine. And she is a beautiful weaver, this lady. And that's harakeke. Now look at how fine that is. That is. What that's other piece can you talk to me about? That belongs to Tina, and you can see here that's muka. Tina Wirihana? Yes. And this is a, yes, a pake harakeke non-traditional dyes. Yes, and that's all muka, muka tags. We're still using the traditional fatu technique. Beautiful. Techniques are basic, it's what you do with them. <laughs> mm. Mm. Drew, whereabouts are you from? 
Ooh, I came here from New Guinea over 20 years ago. Yes, and then? And then I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you come to Aotearoa? I married a Kiwi. Him I or here? Kao Pākehā. Yep. And I have a son here, a 28-year-old son. Did, were you a weaver back home? No. No. I only learned to weave here, so I only know Māori weaving. I don't know any weaving from my own home. But with the Māori techniques, I can use them to make things from home. Just looking at the pictures, I can use the Māori techniques to Beautiful. make the same thing. So, Drew, uh, do you have anything here? No, oh, I nice. don't. So you're just, I'm just, you're just holding the fort. Oh, oh, yes. oh, yes. <laughs> and see if you look in here, we've got mokakete. That's geek here with a bit of, um, what do you call it, synthetic dye or pakeha dye. Yeah, we've got pingao, pingao kete up there. And they're all muka handles. So... All kinds here. Te atahua. Do you still speak your language? Yes, I do. Oh, beautiful. Yes, I do. See this kite? That's made of kuta. Kuta. Yeah. It's the same material used on that heke over there. And can you explain what kuta is? Is it from the harakeke? No, no, it's another material altogether. Another, another material so altogether. I cannot tell you anymore. I know it is not harakeke. It's a different material altogether. Like pingao, that's a, you know what pingao, pingao is. Yes, yes. Even keke, they see this one is done in keke. So that's again Beautiful. another material. How long have you been with um, Te Ropu Whatu or Aotearoa? Raranga Whatu? I've been, oh, since I've been weaving at Te Kokiri. Te Kokiri? So I, I learned at Te Kokiri in Levin. Okay, yes, yeah. yes. I learned there and then I've been a supporter of this since, well, since I've been weaving really. Even before I became a member, it's always been good to support Toy Māori anyway. Te so, Drew, we have, is that Manuote? Are those kites in the corner? I think they're more like sails, but I know Tracy oh, has right. another name for them. So, what's the name for sails? Uh, sails, Hira. I have to make sure. Mamaru series fiddle. Oh, okay, so I thought it looked like a manuote or a kite, but it's no, it's not no, quite. It's okay. Not, it's not. I know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Do you anticipate a few busy days, um, Drew? Oh, yes. And everything here's for sale? Yep. We've made, oh, we've made, we've had some good sales. Oh, good. See all the red stickers? So we have one in front by Teresa Murray, Lady Shortcake, yes, that gone. sold for $840. Kite. Oh, Matakino Lawless. Kapoi. Both hers are gone. Uh, Karu Hapuka series, Fatsu Kite. That's gone. Let's just count yes. the red dots, shall we, Drew? Oh, there's a few, oh, there's a few there. Morehu Flutu Hinare sold for $300. And there's Morehu right there. She has one of our, if you view the top one, that's gone. The green sticker just means it's in the process of being... Um, red sticker means payment gone through. Teresa Murray, who works are flying oh, yes. off the shelf, aren't they? Oh, yes. Are you yeah. able to touch that or not? Yes, you can. 
So what's what is that? True. That's done. Okay. It's a pew pew. It's a pew pew. What have we got here? And it's it's a men's tarnikor top. It's a top pew pew. That's a nice thing about weaving is it doesn't matter where you come from, where you are. When you meet another weaver, you have something in common to talk about. Beautiful. And you make friends, and that's how I've made friends with everybody. Oh, lovely. Thank you, Drew. Tēnā koutou katoa. Coverage featured in tonight's Te Ahikā from Ngā Wahine o Te Ropu Raranga Whatu o Aotearoa or the National Weavers Association at this year's Māori Market. Now for more information about the group, that's right, head to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash Te Ahikā. Kotepakatoki Sometimes we just get a bit waylaid a bit because when we translated the kopapa sometimes you get lost in the meaning of the of the fakatoki itself but in essence the 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 proverb is uh, that the uh, that the people entrusted with uh, strategic uh, directions uh, are, uh, meet while the others uh, uh, the others are out as playing or doing other things, but there's a, a constant. Uh, the, the emphasis is really on the the wānanga, where there's very uh, important decisions are made. Koira i ki ai ke roto i ngā pōtu wāhi e hui ai te Māori ke reira pakarite ai ngā rautaki matiwi. Well, it's the countdown to the craziness of summer. Christmas soon, folks. And that was some craziness last week with the election. Wainer Jackson gives us his post-mortem on the results. As well as... It's no surprise. Māori woman journalists apparently are leading the way. That's according to former editor of the Sunday News, Joan McGregor, who forms part of a panel discussion about Māori journalism. Mm-hmm. He mihi tēnei ki ngā kaikōrero i tēnei wiki. Atu i tērā ki ngā kairā wiki wiki mihini, ngā mihi. Hoki mai hei tērā wiki. Mai te whanua te ahi kā ki a tātou katoa. Mauri ora.